Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up, y'all? What's up? Peace. We back at it. My name is Sonny Teray. And I'm Akita G. And this is the Fire This Time Podcast. Back at you again for another week. Yep. Episode 37, Aki. That's what's up. You second know. one of this year. Second one, uh, second week in a row. So, you know what I'm saying? Holding true to them New Year's resolutions. Yeah, true indeed. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to keep it steady and keep it going. I hope y'all out there enjoying y'all self today. It's chilly where we at. You know what I'm saying? We had just had a little ice a couple of days ago, and we getting over that, so we thawing out a little bit. So Yeah, I walked out uh, of my front door here in my apartment and got about just a few steps <laughs> during that freezing rain we had. Yeah. And uh, my, my shit shook about three times. I was like, nah, it's not my day. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stay in. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm chilling in the crib tonight. I'm, I'm too tall to fall down. Hey, like bro, that. hey. I didn't bust my ass yet this year, but I know it's coming. Yeah, you know, both of us got, you know what I'm saying? We, we got yeah. too much heart to be yeah. Normally, it get me on my front porch. This day come out too comfortable as soon as you step out. Oh! Yep. Next thing you know, you're in the corner of your doorway. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Figuring out how you get down there. I always tell people when you fall, just sit there for a minute and get your thoughts together. You know, get your thoughts together. But yeah, you know, we're a little chilly up here right now, but... You know, we still here. We thawed out. So, you know, we here to give y'all a, another episode of that fire. So what we got going on today, son? Today, our key, we got, uh, we're going to talk about uh, somewhat the political current events, uh, you know, especially with Kamala and uh, what's going on with uh, her and looking forward to the 2022 uh, midterm election. We're also going to touch on uh, the Black Manosphere. Right. You know, I think that's may- maybe our most interesting topic we take on today. But, uh, yeah, we're going to touch on the black manosphere and actually try to our best to apply somewhat of a black nationalist uh, critique to uh, some of the currents that we see there. Um, also, you know, a few more topics. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk about uh, the fake sun going on in China. Ah. Yeah, let's go on and start there, Ike. So, uh uh, the fake sun in China. It's not really an artificial sun itself, but it uh, China launched or put into use uh, a fission, a nuclear, uh, fu- I'm sorry, fusion reactor, right? Ah. Supposed to provide clean energy uh, well, non, w- w- without nuclear waste and whatnot. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you got to see the video, Aki, uh, of it being launched. I mean, uh, you know, that's interesting to me, you know. I'm all about energy and uh, nuclear energy. That's, you know, uh, we do know it's cities and towns and and maybe even some villages that's powered by nuclear energy. So definitely know it's plausible, but, uh, you know, how much power are they generating? You know, fusion, nuclear fusion, that's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess nuclear fission don't produce no waste. I mean, nuclear fission produces waste, and nuclear fusion probably don't produce waste. Yeah, that, that's my understanding as well. And uh, that's that's the, the article I read, uh, also read, uh, said that. Yeah, shoot, you know, I mean, America needs to catch up, even though, you know, them thinking with their capitalist mind, it ain't in the best interest of them to catch up. Mm-hmm. You know? So this is from a Smithsonian Magazine article on the, uh, this artificial sun. In a new world record, China's artificial sun project has sustained a nuclear fit fusion, sorry, fusion reaction for more than 17 minutes. Uh, in the latest experiment, 
superheated plasma reached 126 million degrees Fahrenheit. That's roughly five times hotter than the sun, which radiates a scorching 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit at the surface and 27 million degrees Fahrenheit at its core. Coal and natural gas are the primary energy sources currently used around the world, but these materials come in limited supply. Nuclear fusion could be the cleanest energy source available because it replicates the sun's physics by merging atomic nuclei to generate large amounts of energy into electricity. The process requires no fossil fuels, leaves behind no radioactive waste, and is a safer alternative to fission nuclear power. Uh, this, that's part of the independent. So, yeah, Aki, uh, I know that I said a lot, and I had to read it because, you know, I'm not the best with the hard sciences like that. Hey, 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 I, I needed to hear that. It make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as, I was re as you was reading that, you know the first thing I thought about? What's that? The system will take that and turn that into a weapon. Mm. Now you're going to see a nuclear fusion bomb you ever coming sometime soon. You ever seen uh, <laughs> Real talk. Hey, you ever seen uh, Gears of War? I think it's again. Yeah. yeah. Gears of yeah, War. Let's be my shit. You know, they got the weapon where you can, like, aim it at an enemy and just shoot down, like, a beam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a solar yeah. beam. And yeah. Just... yeah, that's that joint right there. <laughs> that's that joint right there. I mean, I'm saying, though, they go turn it into a weapon. I mean, I can't see anything that man or anything that the European has gotten hold of concerning energy. If you think about it, he sort of turned it into a weapon. Fire, uh, to, uh, 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 gunpowder. You know, it's a lot of different aspects. Um, yeah, I see a nuclear bomb coming, but I can't even say this is a white man thing. Hey, China the first one to discover. Shoot, China competing right now. So, you know, in that world market, and, and in the world market, it's about who the toughest on their nuclear. So, you know, they they I mean they probably getting trying to get a up up on America somehow. But you know, that's the game that capitalist countries and people with capitalist intentions on their mind play. You're right, Aki. You're right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Yeah, you know, I, I I hope it doesn't go that direction, you know what I'm saying? That's that, that that's that's gonna be down the line. Hopefully they use it for good in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know. And hopefully they use it for good to Thailand, you know. It's just something we gotta look out for. Yeah, now you got me Googling nuclear fusion bombs. Do they have nuclear fusion bombs? Hey, I know we got nuclear bombs, so uh, like I said. <laughs> no, but I know, I, hey, I don't even know. Like, if I say uh, it'd be coming, yeah. it's gonna be coming in a minute. No, no, we do. Yeah, yeah. Thermonuclear weapon, fusion weapons. You know, I, I didn't know if nuclear fission, it was nuclear fission bomb or fusion mm -hmm. bomb. Nigga, I don't know the difference. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> to me, fission and fusion is the same damn thing. I just so happened. One day, question that myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, yeah, we're gonna look out for all that shit. But you know, let's keep it moving. You know, hopefully, you know, it just used for the clean energy, and you know, some some real advances I mean, on that could really help places like uh, you know, places in the U.S. on the African continent. I mean, you know, uh, if we if, if you know there really was this uh, you know, limitless clean supply of energy. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a definitely a lot of positive things that can come from it. You know, mm -hmm. it's just yeah, hey. hey. Let's see what let's see what goes on with it, you know. See if it's a um a science that we can adopt in, you know. Mm -hmm. so Go further. Keep, yeah, let's keep it moving, Aki. Uh, so we also just watched something. Uh, I, I introduced you to the play uh, Hamilton. 
Yeah. And uh, I did that because the director or the creator of that play, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, is working with the Democrats, or he just recently did on for this January 6th uh, kind of commemoration of the January 6th attacks from last year, right, uh, on the Capitol building. Uh, the Democrats mean, and Nancy Pelosi invited Lin-Manuel Miranda and the cast of Hamilton, uh, some of the cast of Hamilton, to perform a song uh, for Congress that was displayed and played uh, at, you know, on the floor, right? And for those that don't know Hamilton, uh, I showed Aki just, uh, you know, one of the scenes from it. Briefly. Bullshit. Like, like I said, Aki, it's a, uh, it's a whitewashing of U.S. history and blackface. Bullshit. U- using hip hop, right? So, you know, Miranda, you know, cast a lot of these uh, characters from this uh, the, the history of the U.S. Rev- the American Revolution. What we know, what we really know, is the Counter Revolution. Mm. Uh, but, uh, during that, you know, so it's a play about that, uh, period that uses hip hop. <laughs> it uses hip hop to tell the story. The whole, almost the whole hey, story man, is, terrible, you know, uh, to a hip hop beat and a hip hop verse, right? White, black men playing white, black men in white face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh. But it's really just, it's, it's adding record scratches to U.S. history. You know what I'm saying? First of all, it's a disrespect. To the art form of hip hop, yeah, which began as a resistance and always has its roots in the system of resistance to racism, white supremacy, but just the system. Hip hop has always been against the system, right? You know, so, now you take it and put it in American history. So, like you said, hip hop, our culture, you know, hip hop is an expression of our culture, yes, and our culture is oppositional. To the forces, of course, that oppress it, that have put it, us in this condition, mm. you know, and and the culture that 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 legitimizes it doing so, you know, and we have to preserve that, uh, and it is a separate culture, but you know, the way we think ain't the way that Lin Manuel Miranda thinks, you know, and we have to start being being very clear about these distinctions, yeah, because these political differences matter. So Lin Manuel Miranda, you know, he can't like he first gave a speech. Uh, just a few days ago, it's now the tenth. This is on January sixth, during the uh, like back to the uh, Democrats uh, commemoration commemoration event, right? So he came on with a speech that said, "We're all stewards of the American experiment," meaning all American people, no matter what color you are, you are a steward of the American experiment. Fuck him. Now, let, let's break all all the way down, Aki. You know, give ourselves some ammo, right? Steward. What does steward mean? You know, I first heard that word in the church. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're steward to the church. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that before too, yeah. That's where I first really heard that word. I remember hearing that before. So, but steward means a person who looks after the passengers on the ship, aircraft, or train and brings them meals or definition two, a person responsible for supplies of food to a college club or other institution. Uh, let's look for maybe we need to go to Britannica. You know what I'm saying? Let's go to maybe Merriam-Webster for a better definition. Oh, Webster. Uh, employed in a large household or uh, a state that manage domestic concerns. Uh, let me see. To act as a steward for let's let's look up maybe stewardship. 
Shit, it sound all, all the definitions you giving me, most of them sound like a damn servant. Yeah. No, facts. Facts. But for you know, from my understanding, it was somebody that was respond like in a in a basic sense, it's somebody who is responsible and equally vested, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're vested as collective partners into this enterprise. Yeah. Right? Now what did Baba Malcolm X say? America's a nightmare. And are are we what citizens? Are we stewards? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Of this American experiment? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. I mean, the Well, first of all, was the slaves in this play? You know, I watched it one time and I was cringing while I was watching it. And I, no, the play is not based but the play is not based around the question or the contradiction of slavery and really the promotion and protection of slavery by the, you know, constructors of America, right? Was 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 the Indians in there? No, it wasn't nothing about the. I don't remember anything really about the Indian Damn. genocide. Th- those things might have been mentioned in passing, but there were no songs taking up those contradictions. The play was not about the fact that the U.S. was built on you know a pile of bones and puddles of blood yeah. and you know Great the sacrifice, genocide, all that other shit. Exactly, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it wasn't about those. It, 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 this was a story that rose up that made that you know that really, like I said, whitewashed American history just using a hip hop verse. Wow. You know, you take use hip hop to do it. Yeah, I mean, it was. It it, it makes sense from 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 their point of view because hip hop is so. I think how many things have crossed over into mainstream by hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just by putting it on a beat and getting somebody to rhyme on it. Um. And crazy, even to them, to the structure, and even they kids, you know what I'm saying? Hip-hop has been used in this way. Mm-hmm. And now they finna try to use it to rewrite history. So like you said, I think I recall you saying earlier, like it was like uh, one of the top grossing. Um, yeah, Broadway plays ever. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about tens, almost damn near around a hundred millions, hundreds of millions. You know, we talking about us up there with like cats. Oh, oh, they up there with cats. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cats. Is- and the, the high, you know, what I'm saying, uh, it's up there with the, the cats highest- and the Nutcracker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Classics. And the, part of the American, like, it, it's scary that Hamilton is part of the American type of story. You know what? what, what like, this, that's how they're trying to write it. So like right now, it may not be no, it may not be the biggest one, but it, it's one of them. It may eventually get to the biggest one. So then, like twenty years from now, that's gonna be the the model of playwright and play art. You know, you know that's gonna stand out of something big twenty years from now, unless something comes along and beat it. And not, and God forbid if somebody can beat that that fuckery right there. Mm-hmm. You know, got a black dude playing Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a little off right there, Haki. That's you know, Amos Wills called them zombies. <laughs> you know, man, for real. That's 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 a whole nother ball game. But you know what? We gotta sort of, you know, that's the things we gotta watch out for, Haki. I mean, there's um a ton of ways. They're just trying to do that in Texas by erasing slavery out the textbooks. Mm-hmm. 
you know, replacing sometimes the word slavery with indentured servitude, whatever the fuck that is. So it was like, you know, um, these are tactics that they're trying to use under the system of American assimilation. You know, they feel that, and they obviously won't, they're not pulling this move unless they feel comfortable enough doing it. And I think they feel as if, even though a good bit of black people are, the majority of black people are not assimilated yet to that American dream, enough of them are to, to, to keep the division. So, you know what I'm saying? This is just one of their tactics. I look at it like a tactic. You know, it's, it's something they use to try to, because um, that, that right there is going to, think about all the young students who may be trying to aspire to be artists and actors mm-hmm. on stage. You know what I'm saying? They got to deal with that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think one thing that the play does and just, you know, Miranda and his ilk, you know, do, they try to, you know, uh, just marginalize the unique experience of, of African-Americans, you know, just with the language, this language of, you know, American diversity and exceptionalism, like we're all just stewards mm-hmm. of this American experiment. You know, you're really denying the, the internal colonialism, you know what I'm saying, and the, how this country was founded on anti-blackness and what exactly that means for those on the periphery or outside, you know, and, you know, really that collectivist language when speaking about our investment or our participation in, in the American empire, just and it, what it is done to really appease uh those that can't take the truth can't take Man, the truth mainly white people are those people that you know of color even black folk that are you know have more benefits when the white people that pay their bills are comfortable or more comfortable yeah you know and were or maybe the, even their livelihood depends on you know keeping them white folk comfortable well when it comes down to the producer to me, he out that group anyway. He he's in that, so he's gonna do what he do. He's gonna he's operating according to plan. Mm-hmm. I got a problem with the Negroes. That's up in there doing this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you you Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You Alex. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is what it come to, Aki. You know, what I'm saying this is what it, this is what it is now. You know, I'm gonna go play Alexander Hamilton. That check must have been good. That must have been a good ass check. I did. That must have been checked. You couldn't refuse to say no to Because um, mm-hmm. it does speak to the... That's what I'm saying. It speaks to the the assimilation process. I don't think like he was a brother. Like he a brother and they offered him a hell of I don't think it's like that in this situation. I think those people look like they generally um, enjoyed what they was doing. When we looked at the video of this, we literally seemed like what? Including the Puerto Rican looking brother, six, about six or seven colored brothers of pretty brown hue, you know? Mm-hmm. And they just up there singing so emotional about what this country is to them. And then you like, well, what is what was this country to your ancestors? I mean, like, you know, how did you treat your grandma and your great-granny and them? Or Nene and them, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's those, it's like, it's those type of questions we got to start asking. No, for sure, Aki. And uh, 
I'm going to recommend an article. Maybe this is an article we can review in a future episode. Uh, it's an article by uh, Katarina Delavoski and Tamari Katosa. And it's called Beyond Black and White. When going beyond may, may take us out of bounds. Mm. And I feel like people like Miranda and many others in this liberal type of democratic tradition, right? Yeah. They uh, try to, you know, put on a pedestal these conversations about P POC, person of color. And they try to go beyond just this uh, black and white paradigm. Yeah. Right. And uh, this article is critiquing, you know, uh, the advocates for that position uh, because of, you know, what painting that, uh, you know, historical uh, process. Yeah. In that way, uh, what it does for black people and for, you know, uh, American politics, mm -hmm. uh, especially given the roots of, you know, you know, our condition in, in this society. So uh, I think it'd be a good one for us to really, you know, read and kind of, uh, you know, see, see how we can better counter these calls for, you know, interracial unions, you know, yeah. in the face of the urgency of black nationalist uh, solutions. Yeah. You know, many times black nationalist solutions get met with these, you know, calls directly, you know what I'm saying, through liberal politics and indirectly, you know, through what popular culture is doing and through, like, Miranda's plays, for yeah. instance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be a fierce supporter of Miranda's play, Hamilton, and a black nationalist uh, tr uh, through and through. You, it just can't happen. I, I think that those two things are running in different different directions. Because if you're a black nationalist, at the end of the day, you do believe in that culture aspect of it. And we can obviously see through the um, the way um the way this is being the way this is being done. Um, they're being used on national um or getting national publicity and things of that such nature. It's just a part of American assimilation, mm -hmm. you know. They want to breed a generation. They believe right now is the time. We've got enough people assimilated that we can go ahead and start kicking out these agendas to these folk. Because mm -hmm. they want to get it to a point where it's not a it's no such thing as a Chinese American, a Mexican American, an African American. It's just going to be an American, mm -hmm. you know. But then, as we know, you know, we come from organizations, and that tells us we ain't nothing about us American. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's that they don't like that type of talk and they wouldn't put that type of talk even in there because that's going to show that there's a fundamental divide in America between these three groups. And both of the fingers go back to you. You know, it's just, you know, we got to be, you know, um, I'm glad you showed me this shit because I ain't know nothing about it, you know, uh. High one of the highest paid uh is it is it five term play or Yeah, it's play. Yeah. 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 You know, play in the country right now. And I'm just thinking about the impact, like I said, twenty years from now. If this if the in, in the climate that it is, this can be the number one joint for about five years. It I mean, no, it came out uh you know, a number of years ago. not, not a whole lot, but See, it dropped. It opened in 2015, oh. and it's been seen by 2.6 million people, mm. and it has grossed 650 million dollars. Good God Almighty, 600 some million dollars 
Uh, and look at this article right here. It says Hamilton received thirty million in federal funding. What? what? And this was more recent. It looks like. Let's see. This is an article. Uh, the thirty million. This is an article from the New York Times called "The Thirty Million Founding Father: How Hamilton Got Federal Aid." Mm. But this is an article from 2021, and uh, the mega hit had five separate productions around the nation. And with each applying for ten million dollars in pandemic relief to help get back on stage, the tally could reach fifty million. Mm. So there's multiple productions of Hamilton. Oh, now I mean, <laughs> that just means it's being it, it it's has recurring shows all over the country, not just on Broadway. This is a nationwide play. Uh, so yeah, that's remarkable right there. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. See, that's a whole lot of uh, what's them loans called? <laughs> PPE loans. It's <laughs> a whole lot of PPE loans right there. <laughs> yeah, man, for real, man. But you know, that's what they got out here for you, aspiring young actors. So definitely keep your eyes away. No, yeah, sell your soul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For the bag, sell your soul to appease white liberals. And uh, you're going to be just fine, fam. you're going to be up on stage, you know what I'm saying, playing a white man or who, just, who just, owned some slaves. I know Alexander Hamilton owned slaves. I know he did. That just participated, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, to participate in a play that is homogenizing the story of your oppressor. Like, you there. So you're better selling our condition to ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like... Go ahead, Aki. You playing Alexander Hamilton. And and while you playing Alexander Hamilton, it hits you just in the middle of it like, damn, it ain't no... Well, I know it was slaves back then. Where the, where the slaves at? You're right. And you descended of those slaves that's supposed to be on the stage being represented in a truthful depiction of how this country was founded. Yeah, that would mess with my emotions. See, it might not oh. mess with somebody who ain't... So look at this, Aki. So I just I googled it. Did Hamilton? Did Alexander Hamilton own slaves? Don't tell me he ain't had no slaves. No, read the listen to this hockey. It's been a cover up. This is an article from 2020, so years after the success of Hamilton, right? Yeah. November 10, 2020, a Smithsonian Magazine article says new research suggests Alexander Hamilton was a slave owner. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. So often portray, often portrayed as an ab- abolitionist, Hamilton may have enslaved people in his own household. An article talks about how he uh, bought slaves for himself and for others. But he's presented on Broadway as an abolitionist wow. by a person of color. <laughs> Aki, is there any hey, greater can't... is there any greater contradiction? Can't make this shit up, Aki. Can't make this shit up. And these same black cast, main, mainly black cast, is then, to run it back, you know, 15, 20 minutes, right, is then put on the floor of Congress, you know, and Nancy Pelosi is presenting Manuel's speech and then their performance. First of all, it's, it was a whole screen damn dear fill of people of color. It was a couple of, it was a couple of folks on there that we knew that was a pure... European stock. Right. Most everybody else looked like they was either Latino, black. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I seen a uh, like a, a Chinese person or you know something. But everybody was a color. Maybe like about half of them seems like it was probably black. Mm-hmm. You know, including the Dominican brother. Yeah. 
You know, so like they're gonna they're gonna put every shade in there. That, I mean, the Democrat protect itself like that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, oh, what yeah. saying we're gonna surround ourselves with these uh, these communities. You know, what I'm saying or these artists. You know, what I'm saying of all colors. Mm-hmm. Even though you know, what I'm saying at our heart we remain the same old damn party. There you go. There you go. I mean, you know, that's a strategy. They they just starting to give up on the white vote. They're trying to put most of their vote into the people of color and feel if they they cause they know that that's gonna be the larger population coming to. You know. I if I get all of them numbers together, you know, when we get organized, we can they, they feel they can do something. But they just, you know, they they moving too far ahead. That's what I look at it like. They they doing too much. Too much, you know. But um we gonna get into some more. What we nah? We gotta get down. Yeah. So are we gonna, uh, you know, now we can. Well, no, nah, I don't think we actually talked about that. Simone Sanders uh, got a job at yeah. MSNBC. Yeah. So uh, she recently got hired on at MSNBC. Uh, she's from Kamala's camp. Uh, you know, she I think she was communications director for uh, Kamala. Yeah. Her most recent greatest hit. <laughs> <laughs> Was when she tried to end uh, Kamala's recent interview with Charlemagne the God early, yeah, yeah, because Charlemagne the God asked Kamala, "Who's the real president? Is it Joe Biden or Joe Manchin?" <laughs> Joe Manchin, I believe, is a is a senator. I forget from what state, maybe Rhode Island or something. Yeah, state. no, I, I think it was out of Virginia. Was it Virginia? Either Virginia or West Virginia. Okay, yeah, I think you might be right. Anyways, Joe Manchin is a senator that. Uh, publicly stated that he was not going to vote for Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan, right? Mm-hmm. That already had cut all of the real leftist uh, social welfare programs or yeah. benefits. Excuse me. It still had a few in there. Uh, you know, some good things for child education and child tax credits. Yeah. But uh, for like Joe Manchin, um, his opposition, right, to the ta- the child tax credit uh, was based on the fact that, and th- I only say this to show the ineptitude of the Democratic Party and what yeah. the fuck we're dealing with right now in 2022 and beyond, yeah. you know, and what they're really trying to pass as progressive, trying to pass as a, even, you know, real legitimate politics, right? Yeah. So they have this large child tax credit program that uh, cost, you know, I forget how many billion for the first year, but, you know, they say they want to run it or that that the projections are based on t- it running for 10 years mm-hmm. but it's only up for funding in this build back better program for one year mm. meaning they would have to come back next year and ask for the same amount of money for this child tax mm. credit program and uh of course you know it not being funding is you know largely based on their inability because of both liberals and conservatives yeah. uh, in, in, in federal office to tax the rich an appropriate amount uh, or anywhere close to an appropriate amount, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, all that back to, the, you know, this, <laughs> you know that, that's the context for Charlemagne the God's uh, question, you know, towards Kamala, you know, yeah. uh, who is the real president? Is this Joe Manchin, this senator that won't build, that won't vote for this child tax credit? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. For this Build Back Better uh, bill. Because he held or up is it Congress Joe with that, I think. Well, he held up some shit. Yeah, he, he's holding up the Senate, yeah. Uh, and, of course, Simone Sanders, uh, <laughs> back to her. She tried to act like uh, the president. She tried to act like Kamala could not hear yeah. uh, the question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and and Charlamagne was, like, uh, you know, getting at her. You know what I'm saying? It just looked he, bad. It was it, aggressive. It was, he, was, he was doing an aggressive interview. 
like, it was probably one of his better interviews. As mm. far as, like, you know, pressuring the person, not catering. It was probably one of the more better interviews. Yeah. You know, she couldn't stand that heat. No girl had to come in there and save her. Well, actually, I think Kamala was doing. I think Kamala did, you know, for her ilk and for what she's all about. Mm. She did all right. Shamone Sanders yeah. looked the worst there. Yeah. As far as yeah. trying to end it early and try to shut up that question because you didn't like the question. Yeah. And uh, Kamala, I mean, I, we we saw this on Burning Point or whatever that program on YouTube is called uh, with Crystal and Cigar. Uh, you know, they was talking about how Kamala's numbers a- after the Charlemagne interview actually went up a little bit because mm-hmm. you know we know. The whole interest and hype around Kamala is not about her politics. It's about her image. Yeah. You know, it's not about uh, what she it stands for politically, but it's about the, uh, I don't know what, uh, I want to say aggressiveness, mm-hmm. but just the, the aesthetic that she brings to office. Yeah. And, and the symbol, what she symbolizes to many people. I'll never forget, I had a student, Aki. This is uh, about what? I guess like six months ago, it was a student in, in, in this most recent fall semester. And I, I asked the students, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm a teaching assistant in the history department at the university. Yeah. And uh, I asked the students, you know, what's one thing about U.S. history? That's my focus. What's one thing about U.S. history that you find interesting? You know, just as a way of introduction. Yeah. You know, what's one of the most interesting things you can think of or, or, or that you find about U.S. history? And... Uh, you know, or just something that sticks out to you or whatever. And I had a woman tell me, a black woman, she told me that the most interesting thing or mm. most exciting thing for her was Kamala Harris being vice president. And I'm like, damn. Okay. Damn. You know, and it's it's about it's not about the politics, it's about the symbol. That's the whole point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you can't you can't say politically Kamala Harris is this transformative figure. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, nobody's ever really been able to vouch for Kamala. <laughs> ever. Right. Like, nobody's been able to pull up, no, none to her from the hood. She wasn't raised around us. She was a female Obama to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, the skin got her access to the black community. Um, but then the skin also got, us, got her access to white supremacy. Mm. So, it's like, with Simone, hmm. that's that you know you came from Bernie's camp, so you should know better. I figured your principles was better, but that's what happened when you latch yourself to a faulty candidate. I mean, that she probably knew damn well was faulty in the beginning. She, I mean, Simone Sanders strikes me as somebody that has been using what she symbolizes to the Democratic Party and leveraging that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying for. Uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. I know mm-hmm. he's an independent. He's still running as a Democrat. And, of course, Bernie Sanders, you know, valued at one time what Simone Sanders symbolized yeah. for his campaign. Yeah. As this, you know, Simone Sanders being an intelligent and uh, forthright mm-hmm. uh, political voice. And also a black woman. Yeah. Which, on a, you know, within identity politics meant a lot and means a lot for the Democratic Party. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, it definitely, you know, but I mean, MSNBC, who she was hired by, what type of love did they show Bernie Sanders during that campaign? None. None at all. And then, That's you what know. I was just thinking about, too. And then, and then, of course, she leaves Bernie's campaign and goes to Kamala's. Never understood why she did, but she did. And that 
camp member, let's not forget, Kamala is vice president now, but her presidential campaign failed miserably. Yes. She dropped out before the primary in California, the state that she is from. Yes. Because, you know, her finishing last in the mm. presidential primary, you know what I'm saying, for the state that she's from would yeah. have been doomed for her, even her future political yeah. career. And the crazy thing is that it's like, hey, her 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 career and reputation as a senator in California ain't that great either. At all. You know, it's terrible. So... You know, she's already had she's always had a track record of um not being the greatest politician. Now as a lawyer, she chew your ass up. When you take it and you put it into the context of her being able to deal with government and handle stuff like that, how you gonna handle it? You know? So, I mean, you know. We just gotta we got to be, hopefully we don't get true food like we did with Joy Reid now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, with the contradictions rising up, you saw, you are starting to see, you know what I'm saying, sharper, sharper divisions in some ways, you yeah. know, where uh, there, are some, there are some of us who increasingly will not be fooled by that shit at all. True. And there's some of us that... Have accepted being fooled, damn near. Going with the status quo. Yeah, that's all. It's just more of a going with the status quo. I mean, we should know because we didn't went through about what the last maybe eight, ten years of a hell of a learning political experience. Mm-hmm. Going through the four years of Obama, then a year of Trump. I mean, then four years of Trump. Mm-hmm. We coming into what almost two years with Biden. It's lessons are being learned. They just got to be remembered and then pr- applied and operated in its proper time and manner. Uh, I mean, what what is that going to say for Obama's legacy? You know what I'm saying? Well, after him, it was Trump. That's already already a shit thing. It was Trump, and then it, 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 if 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 black people are writing their history by then, it'll be truthful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know I and. It, yeah, I and I, I think we're not doing it now, but like really, writing our history for our children to know. Then, yeah, and I, I mainly say it like that. Like I question his legacy, what it means, even with you know, and bringing up Trump's presidency, just because, you know, all the hope that he promised mm. and the vision that that he cast out yeah. during his campaign uh, was so, you know, not measuring up to what was produced. Yeah. And all the half measures that he took. I mean, he even said that his politics were that of a moderate Republican. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he would have been, uh, during the, the Reagan 80s, he would have been just a little bit just more in the center. Yeah. But, you know, he still regarded himself in, you know, the, as a moderate. You know, we know the solutions to our condition don't lie into a further investment into, you know, the U.S. experiment, the American experiment, as Miranda would call it. And it uh, neither does it lie in a smaller, you know, if there are any benefits to come, you know what I'm yeah. saying, in our rela- current relationship to the U.S., mm-hmm. it's not going to come through, you know, Republican-style small government. Yeah. You know, the, you know, st- uh, states having more power has always been detrimental to black people. Yeah. A stronger federal government for black people has 
been more beneficial. The federal government getting involved in the South yeah. with voting rights and segregation, mm-hmm. right? Has, you know, and we can go all the way back to Reconstruction. You know, the federal government, you know what I'm saying, um, sticking their nose into the business of <laughs> the uh, the South, you know yeah. what I'm saying, uh, yeah. allowed for us, you know, that decade of advancement that was Reconstruction. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the great betrayal happens and, uh, you know, the federal uh, presence leaves the South. And, you know, then we have Jim Crow and we have terrorism, the, the Nadir, the, the lowest point of our history mm-hmm. as terrorism, yeah. lynchings and, and the KKK. Domestic so on and so terrorism forth. is going on. Yeah, so on and so forth. Almost ethnic genocide. But I mean, that was a process started a while ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly. It's a process starting a, a while ago. And that's an ongoing process. And that was definitely a low point in that process for us. Mm-hmm. High, high point for the empire. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's really uh, that's really what we face with Aki. I mean, you know, well, I see what Simone do. That's see. I, I see what she make good, make, what she make, uh, what she does when she gets her show. She, Probably oh, yeah. probably be hitting this weekend, maybe. We already know. We already know what she's gonna be about. She's yeah. gonna be toting that line. She's gonna be talking about black girl magic. Yeah. And toting that democratic line. Yeah. She's not falling out of line with Kamala. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause she's still gonna rep she's still gonna rep Kamala. Yeah. I, they probably you know what I'm saying? That this is just the next stage of her career. Yeah. And they need somebody that they could probably they figure she, she can be the person to represent them on school. Mm-hmm. I mean, on TV. Yeah. You know, that's the face that they can have represent her. Oh, and she got a show on MSNBC. That I mean, they mostly, MSNBC mostly supports Democrats anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Fox is mostly, you know, Republicans and conservatives. So it makes sense. So let's go ahead and keep it moving, Aki. Uh, I know we wanted to discuss uh, a little bit the black manosphere. Ah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there were some blips that hit more, I guess, national streams of, of news or even within the black culture, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were pieces of the black manosphere that we see poking into more mainstream discussions more and more. Yes. And uh, recently, Fresh and Fit, uh, I don't even know the two people's names on there. Uh, but Fresh and Fit is a kind of a, a video podcast type situation. Yeah, I think they're based somewhere on the West Coast. I, no, I don't really. No, no, they, they, I think they're in Florida. They're in like Miami, something. Uh, yeah, Miami, and I think one of their names is Myron. Okay, yeah, no, th- you're right about that. Myron is somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, popular or you know, yeah, pop. I guess popular podcast, influ- yeah. influential podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, within the manosphere, generally speaking, you know, of course, you could, you know, we can make a distinction, there, and there is a distinction to make, yeah, really, between the manosphere and the black manosphere. Uh, I think that they have more of a presence in the manosphere, you know, compared to the black manosphere. True, true. Uh, but maybe that's a separate conversation or one that we'll get to. But anyways, on this podcast, you know, to show the crossover between. Some of what's happening in the manosphere and mainstream discussions, like you said, I think it was a. I forget uh, a woman named Asia. 
and she was a celebrity's girlfriend, right? Yeah, I think uh, either Asian doll or China doll. Yeah. She was one, I think, of King Von's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or something like that, baby mama, something like that. So, of course, this is a popular figure in the black community, in the hip-hop community, uh, you know, just based on her association with, hip, you know, hip-hop stars and, the, you know, what she looked like and whatnot, right? Anyway, she's on here just being interviewed. I don't even know what about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, just, but I, just knowing what that podcast is about is probably about, uh, you know, what attracts uh, uh, high-value men or what attracts women to high-value men or men to high-value women. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of, it's sometimes it can be a lot of shitting on intoxicated young ladies, you yeah. know what I'm saying, on the show. For sure, for sure. Or, you know what I'm saying, it's not, even the women that they choose for shows like that are not yeah. representative of all women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're choosing a certain strata of young women, you know what I'm saying, uh, from, you know, the lo the location that they're at. And, you know, uh, you know, what's big on that show is, you know, uh, yeah, just definitely uh, anti-black women sentiments. And uh, so... And that kind of was somewhat revealed in this interaction that they had with, uh, uh, man, we should really look up who it was. Is it Asia Doll or China Doll? I think it's, uh, I want to say China Doll. China Doll? It, no, it's Asian Doll. Asian Doll. Yeah, Asian Doll. So uh, there's a verbal altercation, right? I see there's a complex article about it. And she walked. She uh, was kicked off the set because I guess she kept on talking, right? And uh, in the background, and uh, I can understand that wanted somebody to do that on your set, but I, but what that revealed, you know, the the light being shined on them for kicking out Asian Doll, revealed what kept us away. Speaking about you and Ayaki from viewing that podcast and being a fan or or a subscriber to that podcast and that's their anti-black women sentiment and also their very reductive views on mostly everything mm -hmm. but um you know what really came out and i haven't watched much of uh the podcast but um and i, I never seen the clip that came out but they was on there talking about why they don't date black women I guess you know these are people that go live basically daily, put upload multiple videos daily. Yeah. So I guess on one of the the, the panels that they had or conversations they had, they was talking about why they don't date black women. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, before we go on, anything you want to say about that? I know, I know, you know, we we want to draw some more distinctions and, and, and talk more about the black manosphere. I mean, but um, I mean th that was, I guess, the piece of news that really uh, stuck out the past week or two. Even like Joe Budden responded to it. Uh, like I said, complex, complex as an article about it. So go ahead, Aki. I mean, you know, um, I definitely understand where you're coming from on your critique of the manosphere, specifically the difference between the black manosphere and manosphere. Um, these guys have openly said that they don't prefer to date black women. They prefer Latino women and or white women or Asian women. Um, but there's not really too much about them that would, even, that would even let me to believe they can get a sister. You know, 
And there's also so much other stuff with these guys. Um, they're sort of like pickup artists. Um, they're not necessarily teaching game like 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 some other people do or try to do. But they ain't about the black goddamn community at all. You know, and they don't they don't direct what they have to say to the black community. They don't speak really about their experiences yeah. as black men. Yeah. You know, it, they they just speak to men, and I'm thinking mainly how it cast it's cast to me mainly white men. Yeah, most of their fan base is white men. Yeah, uh, they're not they're not who hidden. who you know probably white men that see any black men that's speaking to men in general about you know what's wrong with women today. Yeah, uh, in in a favorable light. I mean, so, you know, they Eurocentric in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Um, they definitely drunk the American Kool-Aid, the red, white, and blue Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. You know, they took that red, white, and blue pill. So, you know, they definitely are um, anti-black woman. You know, um, they both, like I said, they're both brothers. They got color to them. But it just speaks to this 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 um low level warfare that we got going on in the black community mm-hmm. this you know um a contention i should say between our men and our women to the point that some of them um feel that they should give up not even pay attention to or hell not even fuck with black people mm-hmm. in the black community um, there's nothing in those guys that rubs me off as if they're about their community at all. Um, at all. Like, um, I've seen some of their shows. It's pretty much two guys, maybe an occasional third guy, about six or seven females. They just probably came, you know, off the strip in Miami. Not the strip, not, you know, but like, you know, coming from the club or whatever. Oh, yeah, come on back to my house. We do a podcast. And they got these young ladies on there, and they asking them these questions. And a lot of times some of the questions they ask them are serious. But, I mean, everybody up in there drinking. Mm-hmm. They all got red and white cuffs. How you expect to get a serious answer from something like that? And then they do more beating up on the young ladies because they do know the young ladies are intoxicated. And these guys have been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they didn't got a stick for this. And they know all the talking points by heart and all of this type of stuff. So it's a lot of stuff that you see them. It's like sort of like, it's, it's not, I won't even say a victimization of, a victimizing of black women. This seems sometimes to be just a, victimiza- a, victim, a victimizing of women, period. I, yeah, I definitely agree. But but in this sense, as far as their concerns about black women, mm-hmm. um, one thing I did disagree with is people was like, well, he 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 did her like that. He don't do other white women like that. Nah, Myron kick that dude kick everybody off. That's yeah. his thing. That's his thing. Yeah, no, they they be kicking a lot of women off yeah. of there. Uh, but he he specifically said that he doesn't date black women. Right, and, and it's just like and yo, they, and it was a whole bunch of. Uh, misogynistic you know yeah. what I'm saying reasons or massage no war is yeah. reasons he uh, attitude right. he tried to say they got attitude they loud they you know all these type of things um speaking about black women in one single uh, yeah as like just, you never met a good black woman which is crazy you know but it's like you come from a black woman 
You come out the womb of a black woman, you know. It's sort of like the idea um, when you hear some some sisters out here say niggas ain't shit. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes from that community that's pretty much like bitches ain't shit. Mm-hmm. You know, except the ones that you know. What I'm saying he's spending they because both of these dude both of these dudes that run the Fresh and Fit podcast have been exposed. Oh yeah. For manip like using their power that you know not the, it's not not as game, you know what I'm saying, but just to outright manipulate women into fucking with them. Yeah, you know have sex with them. You can't come on my show unless that, you smash them. I think the Myron dude was talking about there was he was actually exposed recently for dating uh, a woman that has an online platform talking about using men for their money. White woman at that. Exactly, white woman. That yeah. goes without saying for these two. Yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying yeah. like that's the highest. Uh, aspirant thing that they looking for i mean they 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 even got like posts of them now where like they talking to some of the girls and some girls are cog up like yeah oh yeah i, I want to come on the show and he pretty much like well you know you got to smash mm-hmm. you want to yeah. come on the show you know, nobody comes on the show unless we smash right that's how we know you're serious and they like, it, it, being exposed for those things they lost hundreds of thousands of followers yeah, you know what yeah. i'm saying and uh you know there were multiple types of pages you know what i'm saying yeah in the black manosphere, mm-hmm. uh, that was calling them out. Yeah, you know, about those things. And look, so let's uh, dig a little bit more into those distinctions. I think one clear distinction mm-hmm. that kind of, for me, puts them at the periphery of the black manosphere. Talking about the Fresh and Fit podcast. Yeah, just the fact that they don't ever really identify themselves as black men or speak yes. directly about the black man experience. It's yeah. mainly just advice to men in a deracialized way that's reductive on these class terms that we've already spoken about yeah they basically just like manosphere guys mm-hmm. maybe you could say they uh what they call red pill mm-hmm. you know um they they definitely not the same as the manis the black manosphere because the black manosphere it, it deals with black male it to some extent deals with black male issues but um it also goes deeper it's it has its good and it has its bad you know in the manosphere um so yeah, let's uh, let me say this first. Just all the conversation about the black manosphere. It's a needed space. Yeah. You know, it's a space that should exist. And just like any other online space, a democratic space, there're going to be opinions present that you don't agree with. Yeah. But uh as far as the defining cuz I've seen people describe the black manosphere as an alt-right movement. Yeah. Which is that's insane. You know what I'm saying? That that's propaganda. That that's propagandic, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even, you know, in experiences that I've had in the revolutionary black nationalist community of or what's left of it in the United States, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I've uh, you know, uh received allegations of of, you know, being aligned with Nazis and being a woman hater just for putting out a paper saying that we should use the advances and black male studies you know within our practice in our communities you know what i'm saying to speak yeah. better to the realities that black men are faced with uh and we, we and we can speak better to those if we look at the advancements and and the theory the theories about black men you know i remember black I male studies you know i remember i was there i was there i seen it and you seen people snotting crying yeah a few, uh, bl- uh, talking about black only black people here involved in revolutionary nationalist movement organizing, men and women crying saying that i'm trying to take us back to a time when black women uh didn't have a voice 
or, or, or back when black women were at the bottom of the movement or ignored or within the movement. Yeah. Uh, and that's, a, that's I mean, it's an accusation from people that one, they didn't read my paper. And uh, two, that just didn't, uh, you know, couldn't engage outside of their own emotionality. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't engage outside their emotions. I mean, you know, when it comes down to that, you know, in the, um, the manosphere was created for men to have a space. In the early years, it was filled with a lot of, like, pickup artists, uh, run game, pimp culture, you know. Early years in that. Early years of internet, them Netscape AOL days. Um, early blog talk radio. It came to what it is now. Um, I personally think it changed a little bit because brothers from academia came. You know, um, and the way they came in was through certain works that was being put out at a certain time. These guys were already doing this work, but um, some master opuses came out <laughs> and um, it brought the educated brothers in. And it brought them in from all levels. So it was brothers who was educated. They weren't necessarily into the science, the social sciences, but they was more into just the money-making aspect. Professional brothers, all of these type of groups start coming into the Manosphere. And the conversation did get, the Black Manosphere conversation got robust. Um, it is bad and good elements in it, you know. Um, I definitely feel the brothers like Sign, Green Gorilla, those are great thinkers to me. I would say it's a thriving democratic space. Yeah, we you know, it, it it allows for every man to have his voice. Even I mean, it's been contention between nationalists and stuff later, but at least the conversation has been had. You know, I was watching a documentary on the Great Depression. This yeah, while I, was, while I was playing 2K, you know, I'll be I'll be double tasking. <laughs> That's you know how you saying? do it. That's how you got to do it. And uh, with jazz the, playing in the background. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, the good documentaries already got that. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, true. So they was talking about how, uh, you know, it's it's wrong to say that the Great Depression brought on like uh, kind of like a lack of political activity. Yeah. A resurgence among the impoverished. Right. Yeah. And it spoke to black men congregating in Chicago mm -hmm. in a public area in Chicago. Yeah. You know, day after day. And speaking about how to get themselves out of the condition that they're in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we can imagine the despair of not having no way to make no way for your family. Especially Great Depression. That's bread line. Th bruh. I mean, and, and we got to think, we was already in higher numbers, more significant numbers in the bread line. Coming off the sharecropping field. So, I mean, that that's such an interesting moment in U.S. history for me. Just thinking about, I mean, you know, cause some of the people, white men and black men, you know, or white people and black people on this documentary was talking about, some of them were saying, like, shit was already hard for us before the depression or yeah. the stock market crash. Yeah. So we was already kind of resilient or prepared for it. Yeah. You know, things might have got a little harder, but we was already prepared. Mm -hmm. And just being around, of course, a collective of people going through the same thing as a child, yeah. you might not even know, you know what I'm saying, your, your actual condition. Yeah. You're just living life. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, that, you know, it just struck me, you know what I'm saying, that, uh, I mean, one of the things that they said was black men congregated on a daily basis in, and were social, you know, in the in speaking about what to do about their condition. Yeah. When we think about uh, Malcolm X 
in Harlem. Yeah, yeah. On the soapbox in the community, we can think about Marcus Garvey. That was Har- the old, yeah, that was the old tradition, right Mar- there. Marcus Garvey before Malcolm X, right? Hubert Harrison, all and, of them. You know, on the soapbox in the black community, and you you, you competing against other people speaking. Hmm. You That's know, definitely. as far as like, if you're trying to win people to your cause I mean, or to your ideology, your black politics. men gathered in the streets. We gathered in the barbershops. Um, we at when the church was strong, we gathered at church. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people said, "Well, nigga, if, if you ain't getting no money from that, it's meaningless." True, indeed. But they don't they don't understand how humans are social mm-hmm. creatures, exactly. and they have to interaction. They have to interact. I always say manhood is not verified by anyone except other men, mm-hmm. you know, um, let alone from that. Um, that the manosphere serving sort of like that type of meeting ground. It brings elements in there the same way in the barbershop. There were certain things that we heard in the barbershop for years that you would never hear in the presence of a woman. Mm-hmm. You you is you hear in the manosphere. Now, as of recently, um, a guy popped up who had entered that space, um, who was already in that space, I guess, Kevin Samuels, and it's a lot of stuff that, you know, he did and just shocked people, you know. And it, and, th- and that the space has gotten a lot of, I guess it got a lot of growth from that, um, which I don't agree with a lot of stuff he talk about. But some of the stuff he's talking about, I've been hearing for years in barbershops. Mm-hmm. And I've been hearing years from uncles mm-hmm. and years from other men who had the same experiences and understandings of certain things. It's the stuff your granddaddy and your uncle tell you when he's working on his car. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and a, but, lot of, a lot of it is directed against this fabricated image of romance and yeah. of, of women as angelic. Yeah, yeah. It's... um. You know, it it does provide a space because, you know, black men do live in a world sometimes where we feel like, you know, we are the only ones who can be held accountable in our community. Mm. Um, And so in that space, it does provide that type of conversation. Um, Some men get value out of that space, you know, um... I would damn near say every black man that encounters the black manosphere gains something of value from it. Yeah, um, because like it's just there's so many uh, so many subject contents in it. So they got aspects to talk about trying to get game and run girls. They got aspects about getting money. They got aspects about health. They got aspects about uh, female nature. And I like that you said, Aki, that it existed before digital media or before the yeah, YouTube. It was here really for that. Mature to the point it's at now, you know. Uh, it, that's that's so true. But and it also speaks to this. It speaks to the marginalization of the black male voice mm-hmm. because YouTube was the first digital platform mm-hmm. that, like, we wasn't on Twitter doing that. We was getting beat up on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 I'm talking about just black men in general who would speak up whether for themselves or speak up against inconsistencies that we see. You didn't even have to be in the black man's fair, you know. Um, but when those conversations was being trying to ha- being had on Twitter and other platforms at the time, it was straight, you know, 
murder she wrote on those things. Mm-hmm. I guess YouTube was a better platform for those brothers to, you know what I'm saying, express themselves and organize around, and they did it damn sure well. Hey, bro, I remember a time when people was arguing that black men should accept the quip that black men ain't shit, black men are trash. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there were intellectualizations of why language like that should be accepted. You know? So, I mean, I like what you said about the black man's voice not being respected or accepted. Yeah. We seen black men resist our effort to build a black man space. Yeah. Yeah. In an yeah. organization before. Yeah, yeah we did. We're, we're yeah, we saying, did. like, we're, like, uh, people show up to every meeting talking about the same like why is it only black men in here as a black man saying this he's saying why is it only black men here shouldn't we have some women in here yeah and, and it's like brother you don't if like if you don't understand you know what i'm saying why there's a space that where black men need to come together and speak amongst ourselves just like black women should do as well i encourage black, every black woman around to have those spaces yeah uh, but I mean, it, it really shows some people don't have that, you know, type of socialization. They didn't grow yeah. up with that type of socialization. Yeah. The, yeah. Know? That's exactly you what know, I remember is. growing up. I was part of the deacon board at, yeah. my, black, at, yeah. at my church. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. Now, when you, junior deacons. And exactly. All of that. Junior deacon. Now, when you go as a junior deacon, was there any women deacons with you? Mm-mm. Nope. You go. <laughs> you with them brothers when they fixing on trucks, going fishing. They, but they, but. First of all, it's fundamentally African for men and women to have men in women's groups. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many African societies not pierced by Christian and Islamic, and even in most of those cultures, they have groups where women gather and men gather, and then sometimes after those two gather, they all gather. Mm-hmm. But the space was definitely criticized um, that we tried to build within an organization. And we didn't even, I don't even think we had, we didn't really have that type of knowledge of the manosphere like that as much. You know, we, you know, we knew Dr. Tommy Curry. We, you know, we studied some, some of the stuff, but. um, It really grew into what we know it as now after that yeah you know so yeah, we, did, we, yeah. we didn't know the channels that we talked about today yeah yeah you know, yeah so, yeah so completely that, uh but also you know after that period this is like what maybe two three years ago now yeah uh we saw you know the increasing proliferation of this anti-black male sentiment in yeah. the movement and the further intellectualization or attempted intellectualization of it course you know uh you know we're still waiting for some of these uh published critiques of tommy curry's the man not yeah that some of these people have promised me hey, on twitter you know that's the book right there i mean i'm gonna keep it real that book to me is what changed that whole if it went from being just regular guys to being people who actually knew theory people who actually knew philosophy people who knew race sciences people who knew um those type of things and within a year or two of that i think it was within a year of that book coming out maybe two years of the book coming out yeah aki we ran a, a book club yeah in the community and over about a three-month four-month period yeah that's a big book 
we, heavy we, look. I mean, it's a dense, it's a dense <laughs> yeah. book. Yeah. But I mean, it was to the point where we was almost going page by page. We might only some means we might we only made it about four pages. Literally, you know what I'm saying? Of just you know, because the discussion was that intense. And then a few years after that, we get into these national black organizing spaces, and they say these conversations aren't being had in the black community. Then they say they, they, they say that they're only being had by black men like you, and you must not have no girlfriend uh, type shit. Yeah. And then what about what two years later? Now this shit. Not, not, two years later, you got a what? Kevin Samuels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that funny, Aki? Two years about two years two about what about two two and a half? I mean about two years. About two years later from mm-hmm. that, then now what we was talking about then, mm-hmm. you know, issues that you could have tackled, um, and got on early. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's ultimately what it comes yeah. down to, Aki. We need political organizations to weave in these theoretical advances in the practice. You see a problem, and and that's when that see, yeah, see, Aki, when when that happened, that did that was an eye opener, because I don't think, like I I witnessed that type of stuff before going to a Black Lives Matter meeting. Mm-hmm. But we, I don't think I ever, I don't think that was the first time I actually seen it in a, a, a like a, a revolutionary organization. Like a, um, you know, a, um, an organization where, with a legacy, with, you know what I'm saying? Hey, the funniest thing that happened on there, Aki, was when a young woman near the end of that first joint, she said that, uh, well, just so you know, this is being recorded, and you know this is gonna you know be in the archive, you know, and because as if what I'm saying was so demonic, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't like, like she had to she had to remind me that this was being recorded, and I'm just I, like I'm, the ancestors see you right now, and I'm I'm like I'm just giving you the basics, you know what I'm saying? And it's clear these people I haven't even I doubt that many of them even read black feminist text, let alone uh, studied anything. In black male studies, yeah, you know, so these are people that's really just unread, that's just going. And off wouldn't of even this, dare to touch to read it. You know what I'm saying? I, that's just going off of the surface level. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, just saying, like, stating that black men are not trying to mimic white men. You know what I'm saying? And there's no empirical evidence that supports it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and pointing to you know the fact that black men have a tradition of you know really nationalist culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That has always been part of our legacy and still is. Uh, you know, and standing on that and resisting these really white feminist, you know, uh conceptualizations of black men. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it really gets you in the dark house with some of these black feminists, bro. Yeah. And uh I can speak about it freely where, you know, I wouldn't speak about this this freely when it happened, especially not publicly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I can speak about it now just because really some of the black manosphere the the best parts of the black manosphere, you know what I'm saying, and and being part of that yeah. somewhat with this podcast, you know what I'm saying, it it definitely acclimates you to you know resisting really what's what a discursive regime, you know what I'm yeah. saying. It's a regime that's trying to control language and just trying to control well, thoughts brother, and feelings. Right. Well, now. Think about it, right? Even in our situation, people were affected within the org. Based on what we was talking about, mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, just by association. That that that, and it sort of reminded me of like that silencing culture that goes on, whether it's on so, shaming culture, cancel culture, mm -hmm. that goes on on social media, goes on in academia, goes on even sometimes in the home or in the community. You know, there's a lot of experiences that black males have um, that we haven't had a lot of places to discuss those. And to be honest with you, we have never really discussed, you know. Um, I always said Tommy Curry's work was a piece of work that documented stuff that we did sort of know already. Mm -hmm. But it made us look and see like, damn, nobody's really ever really studied black men. I agree, Aki, but I, I want to turn this just real quickly back to the black manosphere. Yeah. And and Tommy Curry. Because he's not a part of that. Exactly. They just use his work. Thank you, Aki. Tommy Curry. And th this is this one one of the biggest critiques I have of a significant, I ain't going to say the majority of the black manosphere. Because I think brothers like us probably make up the majority. And it's not just the platforms or the people with you know what I'm saying, the largest platforms yeah. that are the majority of the black manosphere. Yeah. Spaces like this podcast and all the other small ones and all the other conversations yeah. amongst brothers, that's what I see as the black manosphere. Yeah. It's not ran by any specific YouTube account or nothing like that. The core it, black manosphere is just trying to figure out better ways to work with black women. Th thank you, Aki. And that's, that's the core of it. But, you know, I do have a critique of the platforms Yes. Within the YouTube black manosphere. Yes. Because oftentimes, you know, uh, even if they're black men that, you know, have uh, a reasonable, righteous critique of black women. Yeah. You know, sometimes there is this resistance to push or encourage relationships or long term relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, or community or yeah, or community. Some of it is very individualist based, you know, yeah. sometimes it's high level theory. Yeah. But it's very individualist based that doesn't really have the uh, I don't know, I guess the confidence or really the vision to you know, really apply, you know, uh, you know, uh, a revolutionary black nationalist political yeah. program to black men's lives. I, Instead, it's just this theoretical critique you're trying to apply to black men's life that's not attached to a political program Yeah, yeah. That that's really scientific and robust. I don't think they've gotten there yet. Yeah, and, and it, part of our purpose is to take it yeah. there. Like, you know, the, one, the, one, real quick, one yeah. of the things that we were tasked with uh, we or we tasked ourselves with is coming up with a new African manhood or yeah. masculinity, yeah, and really starting to speak on what that looks like as a way to, you know, get in these conversations, push that put, needle forward, and push the needle forward. Exactly, we can't just be black men that are trying to be better entrepreneurs so we can attract more sexy women, yeah, sexy young women. Because some of these channels, it just seems like. They're trying to help you get into a position to get draws. To get draws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a that's and no offense, that's what draws a lot of men sometimes, mm -hmm. especially younger men. Mm -hmm. Because uh, younger men, you know, I always say it's a difference between being a man and then living according to male nature. Mm -hmm. Male nature is something different than being a man. You know, and, that, and that's what culture is. Culture yeah. is that's the aspect of being a man. A culture makes a male turns a male into being a man. Thank you, Aki. You, you know, you said it perfect right so there. So it's like we don't like. Yeah, 
if you ta- if you talking to a 18, 19, 20 year old, testosterone just jumping off in the body, and you giving him a blueprint. And and I hate to say this, the bru- the blueprint has been proven to work. You know what I mean, it's the same blueprint that's been around for a long time. You be you you get your stuff together, you get all this things right here. Women are gonna come as a consequence. It's we, always been that way, but, but we, we're thinking different. But we're we, looking at a nation. We have a greater calling. There you go. You know what I'm saying? We have a greater collective calling than what we're gonna do in the individual romantic side of our lives. Mm-hmm. Our greatest calling as black men is going to be nationhood. Yeah. And it has to be nationhood. And mm-hmm. then once you take that as your anchor, once that is your central point, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I mean, Huey P. Newton, Revolutionary Suicide, we should read it. You know, Once that really becomes your, your central point in your life, mm-hmm. the other things will fall in line. Because and, and if we do that as a collective, also black women that are not yet in line with black nationalist uh, politics yeah. will c- come in line because we're all collectively tired of the current affairs of the U.S. state and, you know, where yeah. it's headed. You know what I'm saying? We Collectively, we basically know it's not headed in the right direction. A lot of black women just saying, I got to survive yeah. at yeah. this time. Yeah. And if there's no alternatives, nigga, I'm still going to survive. I mean, you know, the the and I, I, I've heard this a couple of times, and it just started to resonate with me maybe a couple of days ago when I heard a guy, I think, I think he was part of the black manosphere. He's probably one of the more likable guys as far as um somebody me and you would probably listen to it. He says a man's first objective is his purpose. His second objective would be his wife, children. And I was like, well, that don't seem right. I figured you would put your wife and children. And he said, your purpose is nation building. Mm-hmm. Your purpose is community. Your purpose is um, protection, maintenance um, of the group. I say. You know, so when you're on your purpose, and it and it could be on any aspect of that. So you may be a doctor, but your health, your study of health is geared towards that. You may be a, um, a, a electrical engineer, mm-hmm. but your study of electrical engineering is geared towards that or geared towards getting you to a point where you can do what you want to do in that, you know? We need all hands on deck. All hands on deck. And so, like, you know, as a consequence of you being on your purpose as a man, yeah. Um, I don't want to say, the, I don't want to say it like this, like, say, access to women. But access to women will come mm-hmm. as a consequence. And then it's just up to you to choose which one. Mm-hmm. Notice I said one, you know, so you can build you a legacy, you know, um, build black families. Multiple multiple families become multiple clans. Multiple families become clans. Multiple clans become tribes. Multiple tribes become nations. I don't even like using those words. Got a little colonial shit to it. Mm-hmm. But it starts from the foundation of the family. You know what I'm saying? And, and if, if you don't stand for that... What did Malcolm X say? If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. For anything. And I think that's what the black man, that's what's coming to the black manosphere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're not standing on a principled black nationalist position, mm-hmm. you're going to fall for this Americanized Western individualism. Yeah. 
you know, that's about entrepreneurship and satisfying pleasure. You know, a lot of these, there's, I mean, think about mediocre tutorial and reviews. Yeah. That brother, you know, he, he doesn't, there, there is, I mean, he, he, he does have videos, you know what I'm saying? I haven't watched them, but I seen, and I don't know how he spun it, but you can tell in his videos, he's not promoting black men to be with black women. Yeah. Like he, I, I'm not saying he's against it, but, mm. uh, he, he's opening, he's opening other doors. Yeah. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? But one thing that brother definitely does, I can speak on from what I do know for sure, mm. is he speaks against marriage. Yeah. You know, as, you know, black men do not get married to women. I don't care if she black, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. don't get, like, so if black men is watching him, and it mainly is black men watching him, he's telling black men not to get married to black women. Yeah. And, you know, you can feel how you want to about marriage, but you know this idea that we, you know, we should accept these temporary, like, like, you know, moment to moment type of relationships. Yeah. You know, it's not about us as much as it is about our children and our children's children, and the, the, and the, you know, the deck of cards that we're given, the hand that we're, we're given. You know what I'm saying? But the best thing that we can do for our future generations is provide a stable home. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, in a I mean, stable community. With, with mediocre tutorials, and when I hear him say that, I've heard him say that up front. I've heard a lot of other brothers say that before. Um, that's based on the climate they're living in right now. Um, a lot of brothers don't see a benefit in marriage. They look at it as a win-lose. Mm-hmm. I can win and... It can be beautiful, or I can lose, and I can lose everything. He feels they have more to lose than the game. Um, especially in the climate of the number of divorces and stuff going on right now. Um, that type of thinking seems logical. Um, but that's because they're not necessarily thinking with a community race first aspect you know what i'm saying we did a political program before it was a religious program yeah that was somewhat political yeah that kind of guided people towards that you know what i'm saying and it was community based for the good of of god's community yeah for god's people you know what i'm saying you should be married and be fruitful and be you know i'm saying and your union the reverence that you have for union is you know i'm saying a mirror of your respect and love for me yeah you know what I'm saying? Now, of course, these generation, you know, we're, we're living in uh, a, a heathen generation. Yeah, this is the churchless generation right here. Yeah, this churchless. You said, yeah, 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 churchless. It's done. No, definitely. if they was born in 2001, oh my god. Yeah, it's it's, old. they ain't got it. No, they, not, not <laughs> they the ain't got way. it. Not in the same way. You know? What yeah, I'm saying? I'm saying like, like, uh, yeah, they don't have it. Yeah, I mean, um, I know plenty of 20 year olds who tell me I wasn't raised in no church, and yeah. you know. It, I think I, I think the political program is going to need a spiritual aspect to it. Yeah, for well, sure. We, we, I'll tell you something that one of the things that messes it up is that we're still trying to formulate families based on a Eurocentric slave culture that we've been given, and we got to sort of look back on the African, which really you can find prior to like 1950 here in the states. Amongst us, you can find that type of um, still some some remnants of that culture here, you know. So 
this concept, like, you know, it's getting bigger now. It's sort of hard to have a conversation without involving women, but I would just say that the 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 environment has changed. We are in a foreign environment, which is a captive environment. Mm-hmm. And in that captive environment, you're not allowed to be free. Freedom is an expression. You, or you can say freedom would be the expression of your culture, how you interact with your man, how you interact with your woman, how y'all interact with y'all children, how y'all interact with y'all neighbors, how y'all interact with y'all community. Those type of things have been out of warp with us for a while just because we captives. Mm-hmm. You know, said so we in something that's completely different than what we used to. It ain't necessarily got to do with the point of we here in America and, and not in Africa because the problem is starting to seep over there too. You know, it's the fact of that we in a state in a state where we have no political freedom, no economic freedom, and damn to some extent no social freedom. Mm-hmm. And when you in that, you don't operate and you and when you in that, the family is the pretty much the basis of strength to keep you going. If you look at the black community of what's left of it, you know what I'm saying, it you can see that the black family is not destroyed, but damn dead, it's being uh, shots is being thrown at it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so they're not even seeing family in marriage from a standpoint. I look at some of the guys, and they, some of the guys are like, well, I don't want my wife to work. Now that's a noble idea and stuff like that. But not too many sisters even agree with that. Facts. They want contribution into the household. And that's not some shit that they, um, that's not, just, even though it is Eurocentric, for them to, for it's Euro, it's not Eurocentric for them to think like that because you can go to the continent and women were very active in the workforce in Africa prior to Europeans coming. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like if you're making a basis of your framework off with Europeans, um, or what the system has got us, or what we had to formulate out of our captivity here, it's already on tough legs. I mean, that's the whole concept of having a new African manhood of masculinities is to be able to form a new paradigm, but form one that's based in what we know and what we know has worked for us, you know what I'm saying, to get us to, to get us through this. You we can't have if we want if we say we want a future. And I will say this to black men. Cause in the, like I like you said in the manosphere, you got black men. They 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 just as big as divestors, talking about going to you know white women, Latino brothers saying I don't date nothing. What one brother said, I'm he glad his sons don't date white women. You know, um, they're looking at um don't, when, don't date white women. I mean, don't date black women. Mm. He glad his sons don't date black women. Saying he glad his sons don't put up with that shit. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. In that type of climate, you know, the manosphere is producing brothers that are resistance. We are in that type of caliber, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, just to show the diversity that's present within the black manosphere, think about Kevin Samuels. Mm -hmm. Now, we can say that Kevin Samuels does have certain bourgeois elements, bougie Mm -hmm. elements to him. Yeah. But we also have to say that Kevin Samuels does push for black marriages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. where, I mean, where somebody, there are people that are less bougie than him. Yeah. That are also more resistant to marriage. Yeah. So, yeah. 
and, and, and that's something that do, as nationalists, we have to be recognizing of. You know, we already know it's always been sometimes a little bit of criticism of black conservatives and the nationalist movement. Black conservatives play a role in the nationalist movement, too. You know, um, as you said, it's some elements about him I don't like, but I've always heard him promoting black families. His main objective is asking, you know, black people or trying to fix a problem that's going on between black people. You know, yes, it may be going on all over the United States. But he he obviously understands that it's his race first. There's a lot of like uh, nationalists or revolutionary nationalist critics of the black manosphere that you know what I'm saying are trying to skip steps. A lot of black radicals trying to skip steps somewhat, right? Yeah. Where they're trying to represent in these multiracial radical type of coalitions. Yeah. They're trying to represent black people without really putting in a lot of work in building or forming. The black community, yeah, reforming the black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they call that? Uh, ally building, ally co- coalition building. Yeah, I mean, where they they veer towards that direction. Yeah, uh, as opposed, or maybe to uh, coalitions with even black liberals. Yeah, you know what I'm saying as opposed to, you know, I guess really being invested into what's going on in the black community. Yeah, you know, because you're right. You, I mean, you're essentially right, though, Aki. We need a united front. Mm-hmm. Uh, amongst all people that you know answer similar to us on that national question, yeah, about you know are black people separate? Are they unique people mm-hmm. that uh, you know has a uh, a collective and you know unique uh, history, experience, mm-hmm. and destiny? Do we yeah. yeah? Do we do we want to remain a people? Mm-hmm. Do we want to exist? Mm-hmm. You know, that's always going to be the question for me. If we want to exist, you're on my team. If you want to exist as a as a group, I ain't talking no individual shit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about as a group. You know what I'm saying? I, 200 years from now, you walking up the street, and you can still see people that look like you in communities. Except the communities, God willing, are 10 times better than what they are now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even if they weren't, do we still exist as a group? You know, that's the question. And so if if a person is trying to divest and all that other stuff, the shit these dudes be saying sometimes in there, bro, you you pretty much you want us to assimilate. You want you want race self annihilation. They don't they won't see it on those terms. They'll just see themselves as acclimating to the present reality. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and and not really taking that seriously as us, the directions that the culture is going. Yeah, because uh, we are at risk. Of 200 years from now, not existing. Yeah. You know, there might be American people here. Yeah. There might be a range of colors here. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the separate institutions, the separate dialects, the separate yeah. culture, you know, uh, the separate communities. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and really, this is black man. We have to stand on the fact that we have a different worldview than white people, white yeah. Americans, the white elite. Mm-hmm. Our view is different. It will always be unique to yeah. our, our our origins, yeah. our worldview, yeah. where we if, come from. If we have a separate worldview, then any significantly different worldview uh, that has uh, as much people as our group would have yeah. needs its own institutions. Yeah, you can't. There is no. You can't have the two competing worldviews of white white supremacy and capitalism versus. Black nationalists 
you know, uh, liberation-minded, you know, worldview. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are competing worldviews. Yeah. You can't have a school, for instance, that incorporates both those worldviews. Exactly. exactly. You know, you, we need to send our children to schools and have them in communities that's built on our worldview. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if and if we and if we can't send them to the schools, we got to have enough communal organization to produce that on our own. Mm-hmm. So if we can't get them during the week. We, well, we start from scratch. So from scratch, Saturday schools. Anybody that answers yes to the question of, is that our responsibility to prolong our existence? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need a, a, a united front of people that believes it's our responsibility. You know, there are a lot of people that are, are have given the responsibility over to Democrats. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But no, it's our responsibility. Yeah. Because, yeah. see, people got to remember, we was once Republicans. Yeah. Then we switched to Democrats. Yeah. You know, you got large talk of people now talking about switching back to Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got black people that's looking at them people that's thinking like that as like they're traitors. Yeah, like they traitors. And then you got people like me, like, well, fuck both of them. Let's just start our own shit. Right. You know, so. Or let's really get scientific with it and start playing these motherfuckers against themselves. There you go. For maximum benefit while we doing our own thing on the side. I mean, like. I seen a video recently about the 1972 Black Con- or Black Convention, Black Nationalist Convention, and you just think that like, yo, that's the type of shit you need. But we was we we and note, they had conservatives in there, revolutionaries, liberals, but they all was in there saying something. We got to we got to get our shit together as a nation. We got to get our stuff together as a people. You know what I'm saying? What's the next move now after this? We just civil rights building drop. What's our next move now? You know what I'm saying? They got together and they talked about that. Black people have stopped talking about a move as a group for our existence and betterment. No. So they're not talking about. And I'm talking about mainstream. The nationalists have always been talking about it. The pro-black people always been talking about it. Yeah, we've been out there for years in the cold with the dashikis on, on the corner, like the brothers been doing it since back in the day, doing that, you know. But that conversation being had mainstream, where we all are on just that page, just that page. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We ain't having um, identity politics go on. We not having religious politics go on. It's just like, yo, man, listen, what are we going to do? And that's where we got to be, like you said. Do we want to exist? We could come to the we'll, we could come to the, 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 the conclusions of are we a nation, tribe, in a, in, you know what I'm saying, eternal colony? Later on. I got my own beliefs on that. Mm-hmm. But we can come to that later on. First, let's just have that conversation. Do we want to exist? Mm-hmm. If we can come to that, then we can say, okay, well, how are we going to do that? What's the, the best method to do? The alternative is, you know, and I like what you said, you know, we have to really have a critique and a resistance to identity politics, how it's practiced in this country. Yeah. Because with that, that that's a utility of the U.S. empire to weaken the cultural resistance of people. Colonial empires like that. Yeah. Which I the mean, U.S. is. Exactly. It, it's to weaken our collectivity. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can divide this mass of black rebellious motherfuckers into smaller and smaller groups, it weakens their ability to come together and resist. Mm-hmm. 
that's the cruel nature of it. Yeah. You know, that's why we're saying we need a black nationalist united front that answers the basic questions that puts us back into this mass group. Recenters us. That recenters us. Yeah, recenters us. And that's not to ignore any unique plight present yeah. within the black community. But we have to seriously resist these calls. You know, and you got to think, Franz Fernand talks about this. We had this on a podcast episode mm-hmm. last year. He says the first action, right? The first, the first act of warfare from a colonial empire is to go to the people that they're colonizing and tell the turn the women against the men. Yep, <clears throat> and and to raise up the feminine essence while doing it. Yeah, to help attract women towards the colonial effort going on, right? Mm-hmm. And it's assimilation at its core. Sure enough, did we don't think that the second and third steps after that type of warfare is to do it on more and more different identity lines. I mean, it starts with women. That doesn't it go to sexuality? Yeah. And and disability. Think and about cl- it. We went in Africa. When they went in Africa, we, the first thing they did is, one, they played tribes against each other. Mm-hmm. Then after they played the tribes against each other, then they played the men against each other. Then they the men against each other, which was the tribes, and to some extent represented them, but the men against each other and the men against the women. Then they introduced Christianity and put Christianity against the natives' religion. Mm-hmm. He come over here to America. He put a separation on the plantation between the men and women first in living standards. Then he did it in treatment. Mm-hmm. They both was getting fucked over, but he just did it differently. So they looked at each other a little slightly differently. He, he separated upon light-skinned, dark-skinned. I mean, even in who was brought over here, you yeah. know what I'm saying? There was an imbalance. More African men were brought to the Americas than African women. You know, so we see it, and we've been seeing it. Um, that these, these separations have now went into things as, as gender, um, you know, which I'm never going to say. Those ain't conversations that need to be had. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the center focus is, do we want to be here? Like, like this what it's gonna be if we go you know if we gonna be the, if we gonna be a group we saying yeah we want to be a group we want to exist we want to be a people we are a people we want to stay and exist as a people then the next question got to be okay well how we go about doing it well one of the things I keep to answer that question is we have to resist and push out and call out anybody within this group that is allowing the white power structure the nosy up closer to it Mm-hmm. You know, this white power structure is going to nosy up closer. And if we don't understand this, we have to come to understand this mm-hmm. by studying colonial and anti-colonial gender theory. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that the white power structure is going to cozy up closer to the apparently more oppressed group, yeah. you know, from their outlook. Meaning they're going to cozy up next to the queer black woman yeah, and, and, and act as an ally, right? And this is done... In a way, this is from the white perspective, and this is throughout history, right? It's done in a way to, like, I, like Franz Fernand talked about, to turn those against the black man, the the person that really is the receptacle for the most savage of dehumanize, dehumanizing stereotypes. I mean, there's studies about how it's really black men and men of color that are the receivers of most of the stereotypes associated with certain races. It's the men of that race that yeah. they, that receive that uh, most of that per- perception. In, in, in racism, white supremacy, patriarchy is the dominant aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And of course, in patriarchy, if it's male-dominated, it sees other males as threats. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, even in cultures where patriarchy is not dominant, we can even see this in nature. Males still see males as threats. Mm-hmm. They only see females as threats when they could produce potential males from that group. And we and we had to be real, real sober about the most recent instance of black men supported by black women and really working with black women mm-hmm. in the black power movement. Yeah, black men and black women together, and part of part of that was enhancing the black male image. Yeah. That was a deliberate aspect of things, something like the Black Panther Party. Yeah. We're going to depict ourselves as black men mm-hmm. in a way that shakes up not just white folk, but ourselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because of how we're casting ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what this power system will do, what this white power structure will do, will, uh, you know, work through theory, work through the academy. And turn, you know what I'm saying, the the future movement, future movements against the past. Yeah. By saying, you know, the Black Panther Party was against women, was against queer people. Oppressed the, women. I've the, heard this one. Exactly. Despite the Black Panther Party really representing some of the most forward thinking at the time. The Cer- majority of the Panthers were damn, like, a good bit of them were women. Oh, at certain times it was majority women. Yeah. But, I mean... uh even despite that, set that to the side, for instance, the Black Panther Party was better on the issues of women and sexuality than most of the other white revolutionary groups, let yeah. alone the mainstream society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, people don't study the Black Panther Party in that way. Well, you got to think, man, you know, um, especially on that, you know, conversations have went on for years in the black community. Um about some of these things. Um, and just to recenter it back on, like, this conversation that we having on the black manosphere, you know, and this question of do we want to exist. I agree with a lot when they talk about black men, develop yourself, be the best version of yourself, learn to know your purpose, and go after it. I support that. I believe in that to the fullest. That is true. But they always miss one thing. And it's the same thing that a lot of us missed as children coming up. When we were younger, our mothers told us to grow up, be good, stay out of fights, go to school, get good grades, do your homework, graduate high school, go to college, and become successful and become a man. But she never told us to become a man and do all of those things to do something for your people. Mm. We never got the purpose from here, from a child. That purpose wasn't given to us as a child. Just something that small. Every, all of that stuff put together with just that little bit add on it to do something for your people and your community could have changed a lot. It could have changed a lot, Aki. You know, you never got that. So in the black manosphere, what are they saying? Be the best version of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Learn a skill. Know the trade. Be useful. You know what I'm saying? Be something that can be respected in your community. Start a legacy some, in some aspects of it. But then they, they've still missed that part. Mm-hmm. So you can build the black community. So you can rebuild the black community. So you can help raise the black community. So you can do something good and beneficial for the black community. We can't believe the same lies that we've been taught or they're trying to push to black women that black men can't lead or not worthy of leadership 
mm. or we have to wait until we receive the go ahead from some entity yeah. to go ahead and be leaders. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We have to just be that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have to come together and lead the way toward a new way of thinking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, only we can do that based on our position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have to do that. You know, all people are tasked with doing that to a certain degree. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just speaking to our collective experience as black men and, you know, uh, what's lacking right now. Uh, you know, so we have to be more forthright. It's not just about, you know, like you said, it's not just about individualist aspirations. And mm-hmm. I love what you said, you know what I'm saying? We didn't receive that message growing up, mm-hmm. and we still see it, it missing significantly. And that's the basis of our critique in this whole conversation about wedding in more of a really uh, black revolutionary nationalist, like scientific program mm-hmm. into, you know what I'm saying, the black manosphere discussions. And yeah. that's always been our task. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even before the digital age, the black manosphere, like we said, yeah. existed. And uh, even with the digital age, you know, we have to, uh, you know, find ways to, you know, continue that fight. And I mean, we've we seen that fight growing. But, uh, you know, like we said, you know, we, we need a little bit uh, more robust or scientific conversation. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it, it kind of seems like uh, the black manosphere it's grown somewhat stagnant, even while it's growing mm. in popularity. Yeah. Uh, it's kinda, it's, in some ways, it's kind of running in place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, one, you know, once some of the intellectuals and more of the more um, clear, you know, clear, you know, um, clear um, intellectuals, they got a lot of clarity in them. You know, we got a couple out there. Um, start producing more written works, you know. I do know black male studies and things of that such nature is jumping off right now. Um, but it's like trying to take, you know, the, like you said, that's the critique pretty much that. I don't want to produce good men just to be good assimilated black men. I want to get black men to become race men, you know. And that means that's somebody who his manhood is attached to his race. His he his manhood is really, you know, based in his group. And we gotta get, we gotta raise the culture to a point where people that don't speak to that are cast out or just ignored. Yeah, yeah. You know that, that's coming from having culture. You got a standard. Right. Yeah, we gotta we gotta raise that standard. You know, like I, I told a sister um a while ago that, you know, she was talking about black men and black men not checking um Black men. And I say, well, black men don't really have no standard to go check them on. We don't have a cultural standard no more. You know, it used to be that, you know, and I'm and I'm I'm speaking more from the last 30 years, you know, maybe 30, 20 years. But it used to be a cultural standard, you know. And to me, this conversation that black men are having is gonna to have to go even deeper. Because it's going to come to a point that the same way, like you just said, those people that are not with that, they got to be moved aside. Mm-hmm. Catch is, it's what if they don't want to move too easily. We got to put in more work. We got to produce better content. We have, to, know. Make and I, better, I say, we have to make better arguments. And when know? I say that, I, I was meaning in a sense of, and I've always asked this question. You know, my activist work, I deal with gangs. And I always ask the question, what happens when 
us as men or as a man or as men, we have to confront the gangster. Mm-hmm. And he ain't going quietly. He ain't. He, you got to make him. You want him. You want to. You you want your message to be put in this community. You got to do it with muscle. When Je, when when Fred Hampton went up to Chicago, he had to go amongst gang leaders. Sometimes outnumbered. Sometimes guns pulled out on them just to let them know, nigga, you know where you at. You know what I'm saying? But that heart to be able to go there at 21 and talk to them, some of them dudes are like, okay, if you man enough to come up here in the damn dungeon with us, you must be sincere about what you say. I'll let you make that move. Some situations that the Panthers encountered wasn't that way. It, it actually got to some pistol play. You know, but it's going to be a time when men have to make that decision. Black men are going to have to make that decision. And then it's going to come to the big final showdown. What you going to do when it's you against the white man and it's out in the open? Ain't no more legislation. Ain't no more, um, you know, we're going to vote our way up out of this. Ain't it, You ain't even got no space to build the community. And, and, that, and that's part of the purpose. That's of this. why we need these spaces. Exactly. And part of the purpose of this anti-black misandric programming mm-hmm. is to make that trigger pull easier. Because if they can look at white... Provide if, the climate. If, if white men and, you know, they allies when that time comes of more bloodshed, because we know that comes periodically in American history. You know what I'm saying? Bloodshed comes. You know, when that period comes... It's gonna make the like you said the climate. It's gonna make the, it's gonna make it easier. It, if black men are threats to black women, if black men are a nuisance to black girl magic, right? Uh, then they gotta go, and it's yeah. easier for them to be made gone. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that's a heavy thing to think about. You know, feel like this: white boys went and stormed the Capitol. I've been looking at documentaries.